And we're live. We are live. We're back. This is my favorite time of the week, Chad. Thank you for having me at your lovely apartment in downtown Fort Myers. Thank you. Thank you, folks. You'll eventually see it because we're going to have to do some behind the scenes work for Instagram. Instagram so. and TikTok and all the. Get excited. Yeah, all we're on the, the pla- talk. All the platforms. All right, guys. Well, we're and like, ladies. We're like kids. We're hip. We're going to be on TikTok. I'm so excited. I'm 32, so like TikTok feels like, I don't know. And I'm 33, so that's why Peter's handling the TikTok. Because <laughs> I'm the I'm the whippersnapper. And I'm handling here. all the AARP stuff. I've been doing this, this since I was TikTok age, like 25. TikTok age. <laughs> mid-20s, early yeah, mid-20s. He was the original TikToker. Yeah, that's not true. All right. Well, here we are, <laughs> folks. We're back. Another episode of the Mercenary Musician Podcast. Uh, we are your host, Chad Broussard. And I'm Peter Coulter. And today we're going to be talking to you about volume control. This is... Something that I think a lot of uh, beginners don't really even think about. It's this might be the thing I get complimented on the most. As sad as this sounds, you know, you you really you're the right volume. <laughs> you, you, you weren't too loud. It's like it. It's very 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 common to get that kind of compliment for for me at least because I control my volume very well and I have learned how to do that. I've got the corners knocked off of me over the years. It will cost you money to, to not do this right in, in both short-term and long-term. It'll cost you tips because you're annoying people who would otherwise maybe tip you. It'll cost you gigs because you're annoying people who would otherwise sit around and buy more drinks and make your gig look like it was more profitable for the bar. I This is actually another reason why I think solo work is a little easier and more profitable than duo work. This is a you know a small example of it. The, the broad example of why solo work I think is better is because you can react more quickly and easily to the crowd. It's much easier to take requests. You can fake your way through stuff and fumble through things without so- it sounding like a total train wreck because it's just one person. If there are two people trying to play two different guitar parts, or you know, it sounds a lot more wrong. So that's the broad reason why uh, solos are a little better than duos. This, this is one narrow reason. This volume control thing is because it is annoying when the guy who's playing lead guitar in a duo is twice as loud as you are can't really tell and if if you're the singer and it's clear to you that he needs to turn down and you're constantly like man can you come down a little like you're trying to balance two two levels of volume and one of you is not paying close enough attention to other people's reaction like if for instance your lead guitarist is maybe a little bit deaf i i know some people like that Sure. Um, a lot of lead guitarists don't like to wear hearing protection at their band gigs, which are generally much louder, and they hurt their hearing. And then they go to these duo gigs or solo gigs, and then they crank it like they're at a, a rock show. Especially if they're on an electric guitar. Especially if they're on an electric guitar. And, you know, there's old ladies in these bars. Especially, again, if this is kind of a partly a regional thing. I'm in southwest Florida. There's a lot of older people. They don't want a shrieking electric guitar in their ear at brunch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so the the main point here is don't be too loud. There's one there there's one way to lean here. There's the safe way, right? Too loud is over the cliff. Too quiet is not over the cliff, but falling on your butt on the ground safely, right? You're still falling on your butt. You don't want to be too quiet, obviously, but it's much better to fall on your butt away from the cliff than to fall down the fucking cliff, right? So too quiet is the way you want to lean. This is uh and I got in my notes here. It's like play so people can have a conversation. It's not the Peter Coulter show. You can even use that as a joke. It's like, hey, uh, 
I know I'm here for you folks. I say this, I say this all the time. I say I am here for you folks like a hundred times a gig because people get the impression that you're not if you act a certain way, which a lot of musicians make this mistake. They act like it's the fucking Peter Coulter show or whoever show, and they think you should be there to listen to them. These musicians think that. And that's not what this is most of the time. You're playing dinner gigs. You're playing bar gigs. You're playing um, brunch gigs. You're playing at country clubs. Like in country club clubhouses, you are the background of background music. Slightly different feel at pool bar gigs at country clubs. But like you got to play your role there. You're getting paid specifically to do a job. And it's not to you didn't sell tickets. You didn't. They, people aren't there to see you again. Yeah, it's cover work. It's, it's not original music. Exactly right. You're, you're, and I mean, you can do original stuff. I'm not saying you should never do original stuff. You can if you want. Uh, I have it requested sometimes. I have a couple that I like to do. I haven't released any of my solo original stuff yet, but uh, you know, keep your eye on that. We'll let you know here where where it's coming out too, because I'm gonna cross promote it a little bit. If you're curious, yes, don't play too loud. If I give if if you come away from this episode with one thing, the 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 subheading of this, don't play too loud okay and there are a couple ways to think about this that can kind of make this a little easier for you so know the room that's a that's a a big one that's it's a big one in in a lot of other parts of of the job as well knowing the room being able to read the room and see what how people are reacting to you and know the type of people who are gonna who are likely to be in this room this becomes easier as time goes on at like a recurring gig so like for instance uh, there's a slightly different feel at a country club versus like a dive bar, right? And I know that because I've played both. I have very regular country club gigs, and I know, and I've been told to turn down there. Even me, after seven years of doing this, after seven years of doing this, knowing going in, I lean on the side of too quiet every time. I was still told to turn down at this country club. It still surprised me how quiet they wanted me to be. And I've been told to turn down, told to turn down, and I've kind of got my volume dialed in a little better at this country club because I've been playing there every other week for a couple year, a year now. So that's knowing the room, right? So you are in a country club, you kind of start to get a feel for what the people want, how quiet they want you to be, what they expect from you, uh, what works. And, you know, in a, on the other hand, in a, in a dive bar, if you're way too quiet, not way too quiet, but if you're really quiet, maybe people can't even hear you. Maybe you're not going to get those tips because people like barely even know you're there. Maybe you're playing someone's favorite song and they're on the other side of the bar and they can't hear it. There's something to, to be said there for adjusting to the room, right? I'm not saying just mime a guitar player and be silent, but be considerate of the fact that you are entering a situation. You are changing the environment, right? So somebody is, especially if people are already sitting there kind of eating and you are setting up and you start playing, you're changing the environment they kind of agreed to sit in, right? That can piss people off, especially old ladies in country clubs, right? If you're if they're sitting and you end up getting set up like right next to where their table is and they were sitting in a totally almost silent, smooth jazz, you know, barely perceptible smooth jazz environment and you turn the smooth jazz off and you start playing up-tempo classic country like right at their face, they're not going to be happy about that. I'm, you know, and maybe, maybe there's, maybe they're being mean and maybe they're being a cr- cranky old ladies, but maybe not. I mean, that would annoy me. Maybe, you know, that's I've, why you come back to boiling the frog, right? Boiling the frog. This is one of my favorite, my favorite, uh, 
analogies here. Uh, this is systematic desensitization. This is not to go too dark here, but this is how they turned more or less normal young men into Nazis who run concentration camps. They they get you slowly but surely. They say, hey, throw do that this, rock. Throw that rock through that window, <laughs> you know? And then, I mean, yeah, you know, throw that rock through that window. And then you do that. And then they do the next. Uh, beat that guy. You beat that guy. And then they do the next thing. And before you know it, you're throwing kids into ovens, yeah, right? burning down buildings. This is, this is how you get someone to sit there. This is how you get an old lady to sit next to you and enjoy loud music. It's the same way they got the Nazis to do horrible things, right? I mean, some people are naturally adept at just want to do horrible things, but there was also the other the systematic desensitization happening there too, right? So this is, <laughs> this is how you do that, right? You boil the frog. If you put a frog in a pot of boiling water and the frog is able to jump out, the frog will jump right out. Frog does not want to be in a pot of boiling water. Whoa, I was in room temperature air. Now I'm in boiling water. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. If you put a frog in a pot of room temperature water, it will kind of just sit there. It's like, yeah, that's fine. And then you slowly raise the temperature. You can boil the frog and it won't jump out. That's I have actually never done this experiment. I don't think you should do this experiment. This is inhumane. Don't do it. But that's the story, right? That's how you do this. So you can start your gig really quiet. I start with Blackbird almost every time. Partly because it's kind of impressive, partly because it's a very popular song, partly because it's quiet. It's just finger picking. It's like Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Plus, all old folks, for the most part, should know that because that was kind of their generation, right? That's right. And it, uh, yeah. And it, they, so that's a, kind of another thing about reading the room. It's uh, I play to my crowd a lot. We're gonna we're gonna do an episode about the perfect set list. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit, and I've had a couple of my my proteges kind of asking about what to do about their set list. But yes, that's, you know, you're reading the room. That's another good reason to do a song like Blackbird in a room full of 65-year-olds, right? I know that's a lot of five-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, so systematic desensitization. You start low and you just can slowly bring it up. You don't have to even bring it up if it's working. If the volume at that low level is working and people are clapping and enjoying it and tipping you, don't change it. You don't have to. I love this trick. I think that this is like one of the best moves in, in this kind of, on, t on this topic, the volume control topic that I that I made in my in my set, you just communicate, and this this works for like stage fright too. We're gonna do an episode about stage fright and performance anxiety, but just communicate, treat these people like your friends, make them your friends, and it's not like they're some external thing to you. They're you're a group of friends, and you're at their party, kind of right. And I this is kind of how I started singing and playing guitar. Is I just started playing guitar at parties on my back porch, trying to get laid you know, in high school. And that, so that kind of feel, I've carried that with me to these gigs and I would like you to start thinking that way. And if you're at a party, bust out the guitar. I'm sure a lot of you kind of do this too. Bust out the guitar and sing some songs for people and just kind of be like the guy at the party who plays some guitar songs sometimes. There are some big differences. Obviously, you're, you're there for three hours straight <laughs> doing it without being able to stop and hang out really for how you want. But, you know, it is work, but... That kind of feeling of like we're friends here. We're not, there's not crowd and performer. There is a group of at least potential friends. Treat these people like your friends. Talk to them, communicate with them, and you will have a good time. This, this will, it will be better for you if you do this. And specifically, what I'm talking about when I say communicate with them about volume is, by the way, folks, if I'm way too loud or you know, much less commonly way too quiet, <laughs> Make, make jokes always. You just let me know, all right? You can 
you can write way too loud on a $100 bill and, and put that in my tip jar and I will turn down for you. And they say, okay, I know, I'm just kidding, all right? Really, if I'm too loud, you let me know I'm here for you. I'm not sensitive about it. I know a lot of performers are sensitive about it, all right? I'm not. I'm here for you, folks. If I'm bothering you, I don't want to bother you. I'm, I'm here for you. You know, it's just like people like that. People people who I like almost know for a fact were pissed off about my volume will look over at me when I say that and go like, no, you're good. Like, I, I swear to you, this works. And even saying it, like, if you if you detect, and this is, again, where reading the room comes in, this is going to be a skill you're just going to need to develop. Reading a room, reading people, what they're thinking, what they That's are. It's one of those what, life skills. It's a life skill, yeah. What their mood is like. What are they, what's going on with them right now mentally. If you, it, and it should be not that hard. People will make it, some people make it very clear they're not excited about you getting set up next to them. And, you know, especially not to profile too much, but especially old ladies. Sorry, old ladies out there who are almost certainly not listening to this podcast. Yeah, so if you notice people, and I, I did this, this happened Sunday night. I had a, I, by the way, I had a record-breaking night Sunday night. Another one? Yeah, dude, $607 in tips I made. Okay. It was a record, it, I know, it was a record-breaking, it was a record-breaking day too, actually. So I broke two records in one day. My my daily record, I made $1,570 on Sunday. Working, it turned into a triple. It was really a double. So the reason it's a triple is because I finished that Key Lime gig on Captiva. Uh, it goes six to ten. It's got to be kind of a firm cutoff because I got like noise ordinance stuff. Guy kept fucking throwing me fifties and was just like, "Play one more song. Play one more song." I ended up going a, a little later than ten, which I'm not supposed to. And I was like, "Man, I really, I would love to do this all night, <laughs> but I really have to stop here because like there's, yeah. you know, a job issue here. Yeah. I can't do this." And they were like, okay, cool. Well, we got a house rented right down the block. You want to come over? And I'm like, yeah, man, my private event rate is $250 an hour. And he's like, cool. We'll just do it hour by hour. The cops will probably get called, but I'd like to do two hours. It'll probably just be one because the cops come. So I went over there, played 45 minutes. <laughs> the guy gave me 300 bucks. Cops came. <laughs> the guy gave me 300 bucks and I, and I left. So awesome. I made 200 for my base pay at Key Lime. Then I made 607. I'm just going to round the numbers. 200 at Key Lime. 600 bucks in tips, so that's 800 plus 300 at the gig after, so that's 1100 And then my brunch gig earlier, I made 300 for the base pay, and I made about 150 like 170 in tips. So 470 plus 1100 is 1570 Record-breaking day. So now you're looking just to work on Sundays? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just doing Sundays now. But yeah, that was, you know, season's coming back. It's uh, middle of December right now here in Southwest Florida, which is the start of season, really. It's it's still warm. It's in the 80s, yeah. Okay, so that was, we're not calling them tangents anymore. We're calling them lateral thinking now. We're rebranding it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about the old ladies sitting. I did this at my gig on Sunday. That's where I, what got me off on my lateral thinking move there. I was setting up at my Sunday gig, so 5.30 p.m. for my, my Captiva gig. And these, you know, two old couples were sitting right in the front. You know, when they sat there, it wasn't a stage with a performer on it. It was just, you know, an empty, dark stage. They didn't didn't really know or hadn't hadn't thought of the fact that there might be a musician coming to sit there and play. I'm getting set up. They're like halfway through their meal and they like I can hear them kind of muttering about it. And they're like, oh, music is about to get started. And like not excitedly. Right. Not not necessarily like, oh, shit music but they were like they weren't like oh yeah music cool what kind of music do you play they were like like whispering to each other so i couldn't hear like oh, music is getting started and i heard it and uh i piped in and i said 
yeah, you know, it's like, I hope you guys like death metal and like, it's, it's pretty loud, like super loud. And they were like, you know, everybody kind of laughed about it. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for you folks. So I'm blasting you away. You let me know. And it just like immediately diffused the thing. They were thinking they're going to sit there watching me set up for 20 minutes awkwardly, not knowing maybe, maybe even trying to rush out of there before I get started. I've seen that happen before. You know, people trying to rush out because they don't want to get blasted away by music. They're trying to have a conversation at dinner. They didn't realize they were going to have a speaker 10 feet from their head. You know, you just diffuse it by communicating with people and just say like, hey, I if I am not going to be too loud. And if I am, you can change that because I am here with you. You know, humanizing yourself. That's right. Yeah, there's a I was just uh, I just had an experience the other day. Actually, no, two days in a row. I had it today on the way here, too. I I was just thinking that I was like, man, that's so weird. I was pulling out into traffic. Uh, Somebody had stopped. It was like one of those things where there was like stop traffic, but they had like made a space for for traffic to like get out in between, which I always appreciate. Please do that. I just saw a wreck happen last week like that. Yeah. So shit, I was almost part of one. And I I thought that I'd made eye contact with this guy. I thought I maybe maybe even saw him wave me through. And I went and he was kind of not paying attention, turned out and started moving. And like we almost hit each other. And he looked up and I was probably like, we made eye contact through my, um, you know, he's coming right at my window. I'm looking through his windshield. He's looking through my driver's side window. We look at each other and I'm probably making this worried. Like, am I about to get hit face? He stops. He kind of like smiles and laughs and just like mouths. Oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, I was about to get pissed off at this guy. And he totally diffused it by being a human. And I was just like, oh man. And I, I, it didn't even just like change that moment for me. It like made my day. I like drove away from that thing like, man, that was this guy gets it. That guy, that guy was really nice, you know, and I can be a dick in traffic. So I'm trying to be better about that. Um, and I, I actually had something like on the way here happened very similar where somebody was uh, somebody didn't put their turn signal on. And so I was waiting for them to go by. And then like at the last set, I was waiting there for like 20 seconds while they maybe not 20 seconds, but I was waiting for longer than I would have had I known they were turning into my street. And they put the turn signal on the last second. They're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you waited. Like, they like made it clear they knew that I had been sitting here waiting for them to go straight past me. And they're like, oh, I'm stupid. I forgot my turn signal. And I kind of laughed and, like, waved and said sorry. And I was like, man, that just, like, that just, like, changes the whole mood of the thing. And because it's not, because when a car is doing something to you, it's a fucking inanimate object fucking your day up. You hate it. You can hate a car. It's so easy to hate a car, right? To hate a car that cuts you off or slams on his brakes or is not driving fast enough or whatever. But to hate the person inside of the car is a lot harder. We're not like, we're not made to like just hate people. I mean, I think that most people don't want to hate people. It's not like a natural inclination. And the, the, the reason road rage happens in large part is because you're not humanizing each other. And that is, that brings me back to my point here is people don't, hate the musician who's playing too loud. They hate the loudness. So when you can say, look, I'm a person, when you let them know, hey, I'm Peter, I'm here, I'm going to be playing music for you. If I'm too loud, let me know and I'll fix it for you. Like, it's the same thing as like smiling at someone and saying, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Humanize yourself. It's just really important. It's And it's what gets you tips too, even in an even broader sense. It It keeps people from hating you for your volume more specifically, yes, but being a human that people relate to and like People don't want to give $5 to an inanimate object. They want to give $5 or $20 or $50 or $300 to a human to a human who they might want to have at their party. That's, for instance, that's like a great example. The reason this guy wanted me to, at his party 
to have an after party isn't because I played a lot of songs he liked perfectly. It's not because I shred on guitar. It's not because I even have a beautiful voice. It's because he kind of liked me as a person and was like, this person fits at a party. Let's do, let's keep doing this. So, yeah. Um, here's a little, uh, just a couple, couple more specific tips about reading the crowd, when to know when you are being too loud. It's better probably to just err on the side of not being too loud again, but if you are bothering someone, it will often look like this. People touching their ears, even if they're not plugging them up, people will reach for their ears unconsciously like, this is not what I want to be happening to my ear right now. <laughs> you know, they'll like kind of reach for it like as if they can do something about it. Look for that. That's a sign. Things like moving closer to speak to each other when they weren't speaking that closely to each other before. Now, these are not by themselves all like deal breakers. Like, oh my God, you should just mute it and walk away or cut the volume way down when just a minute you see any of these. These are just little signs and they can add up. Um, the, the biggest one is looking frustrated. If you, give you, if you get like a nasty look combined with the touching the ear, combined with the moving closer to speak to each other, combined with like the shouting at each other, uh, like shouting at each other, that's a big one. Um, and granted... Sometimes people are and sometimes people are just hard of hearing and they have to shout at each other to to be heard. Hard of hearing too that part of part of uh hearing loss is they might have a perfectly fine time hearing each other at a certain volume in a silent room, but when you add external noise in there, it really confuses the sounds for people for some people with hearing loss. So, it can be just the fact that you're playing anything at all. It could be if even if you're really quiet they'd have a hard time because they've got hearing some kind of hearing loss that makes the two sounds conflict really, really harshly and makes it difficult to communicate. That can be really frustrating. Here's another, another kind of angle here is empathize with these people who think it's too loud. Like, don't be like, oh, you're a dick. You're an old lady because you think it's too loud. What a, what an asshole. Think about, put yourself in that position and just don't, don't imagine that it's music you like that's being played. Maybe they don't like it. Try to imagine it's music you don't like. Try to put themselves in as accurate a position as you can in your head of what they're going through. Maybe maybe you're playing something they don't like. Maybe they are hard of hearing and they're having a really hard time communicating with someone they haven't seen in 10 years. And maybe that's very frustrating. Maybe they're being nicer about it than you would be in that position. You know what I mean? So try to empathize with people and just be, again, be friends, be a human. This is like, this is really central to this whole job is your, it, this is an old job, right? This This job goes back to like, the campfires in the woods before, before anything like this performing job. It's like being entertaining in your tribe of a hundred people in the fucking woods is what pe like people did this as long as people have basically been people. This is what you're doing here. You're being part of like a tribe almost like try to make friends, try to bring people together, try to have fun. The fun captain. You're the fun captain. You're just like, facilitate the fun you're facilitating the fun exactly chad right so it's 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 just good to think of yourself as like a part of this group be friends with these people empathize with these people be nice to them think about what you know what they want and try to try to help them out yes okay so one thing while we're still on these uh these little bad signs right so we got you want you read the crowd by you know people touching their ears is a pretty subtle sign moving closer to speak to each other or shouting to speak to each other looking frustrated Noticing the music but not clapping is not always a sign that you're too loud. 
that can just be a sign. Sometimes there's just cultural differences. Sometimes people are just like, we don't clap. <laughs> it's like sometimes I have played to a dead silent room before. Yeah, sometimes people snap. That's right, Chad. <laughs> I've played to a dead silent room before and walked out with 200 bucks in tips. It has happened. Sometimes people just don't want to clap. They're having dinner and they just don't want to clap between songs. And they do want to tip you. And they're enjoying you. It's not super common, but that does happen sometimes. Another one that is kind of... It ties into an earlier topic that we talked about, which is like you're trying to help bartenders and servers make money. And this is really more, you're not going to run into this so much as a solo act, but bands run into this a lot where like uh, I'm in a rock band that is like super duper loud sometimes. Uh, we're really not designed to do bars. It's electrifying. <laughs> the band's called The Electric Mud. We got some EPs and stuff out on Spotify, EPs and a couple full albums. But it's not really designed for bar work. It's supposed to be an original band that does tight sets in clubs that people specifically went to see like metal and heavy rock at. So we're loud. We don't really pull very many punches. We try our best to fit into bars to make money so that we can fund our touring. But it's like kind of using a race car for a taxi cab. It's just really not designed for the job. That being said, my point here is when you notice bartenders and servers having a hard time doing their job because of your volume, you are way too loud. You are way too loud. Your job here is to help the bartenders and servers on some level, right? So when you're interfering with their shit, you're doing something wrong. So stop that. Notice that. When you see a when when you see a, a bartender or, ser, or a bartender have to like scooch up over the bar to shout into someone's ear, like this is it's not gonna really happen with solo acoustic stuff, but. I've seen this happen with my band before where I look over and I see the bartender like push themselves up over the bar to shout in a bar in a bar patron's ear and then get shouted back at that they need a beer or whatever. And I was just like, guys, I need you to please turn down. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's, it's usually, you know, when there are four guys, too, this is another thing kind of a, about duos. When there's one person who's too loud, you your natural instinct is to turn your volume up so you match so that yeah. the sound is right. Right. But it, then it just gets way too loud. It's kind of like cutting your sideburns. Right. You're trying to get them even and you end up with no sideburns. Yeah. OK. I think I had one more point, didn't I? Uh, yes. There's a this is kind of like a little fine point here. And this is where this is like advanced, advanced volume control. Right. So and it's just something to think about, kind of a, a topic to consider, an idea to consider. This is like how thoughtful I want you to start being. Excuse me. This is how thoughtful I want you to start being in in your gigs. Right. When you see a server come up, like say there, if you're playing in a restaurant, there are some tables that are close to you. There are some tables that are further away, right? So some server, usually maybe one or two servers, have the section of tables right in front of you, right? Which is going to be the loudest, which is going to be where people are going to have the hardest time hearing. The table right in front of you might, you know, that's it can be kind of hit or miss. Sometimes the table right in front of you is really cool and into it, and they are there on purpose. Sometimes the table right in front of you is there because it's the last available table. Nobody wanted to sit six feet from the speaker, and they got stuck with it. So that's kind of something to pay attention to also. Those close tables to you can be different different levels of engagement. But when a server comes up to that front table and they're taking an order, what I will do and what I strongly urge you to consider doing is I will modulate my volume specifically for those moments when the waiter comes up, right? When the waiter's coming up and he's trying to get an order and, you know, what would you like to drink? I 
consciously, I see that. I'm looking, I'm using my eyes, look around the room. Server is six feet in front of me where the speaker is. Table is six feet in front of me where the speaker, from where the speaker is. They're trying to communicate here. This guy's trying to do his job. I sing more quietly. I play more quietly as that's happening. And then when he walks away, I bring my volume back up to normal. And it's nothing anybody notices, I don't think. Nobody's ever mentioned it to me. But it's something that just makes a waiter's job easier. They don't, they might not even notice you're doing it. I don't think they do. But they, what they would notice is having to fucking ask someone six times or, you know, having to shout at somebody that is, you know, that's not cool. That's not, you don't want to get shouted at at your, you know, dinner experience at a restaurant. So these little things, it's just, it's, that's a very specific example of what I kind of more want, want to say to you broadly, which is be considerate, look around the room, be aware of your surroundings. Constantly. Constantly. That's like, it's, it's really important here. If you're oblivious to what, what effect you're having on the people in front of you and the people around you, you are going to make, you're going to fuck things up. You're going to make people's lives harder and less fun. And that's not what you want. You want to do the opposite. So pay attention to what's happening around you. Read people's faces. Read people's body language. Read people's responses in the form of tips and clapping. Like, notice the situation. A server standing there trying to get a food order from a lady with a quiet voice. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just be accommodating. And if you're yeah. unsure where you stand at your first set break, walk over to the bar and ask the bartender, am I too loud? Am I too soft? Is there anything I can do to adjust? Excellent point. That's all you have to do. That is a really great point. You know, and especially at a new venue, I did. I mentioned briefly that getting to know a room, getting to know a room over the course of however long can make it easier for you. Like when I go sit down at my country club gigs, I don't have to think about it. I know what volume I'm at. But in the beginning, I'm sure you did. In the beginning, I, I had to I had to change. Yeah. I had to like pay attention and I tried to boil the frog, but I, I leaned in. Very rare for me to lean on the loud side, but and that, at that particular gig, it was hard not to. Yeah, and then I asked the manager, and I asked the bartender. Yeah, exactly. That's I can't believe I didn't mention that. Thank you, Chad. That's mm-hmm. very, very sharp. Very intuitive of you to pick that up. And uh, Well, I've had it happen. Yeah. Where, you know, performers will come up and say, hey, how are we doing? Yep. You know, is this too loud? Is this too soft? And it's, it's smart. That's and it, all it, it takes. It's another example of showing the manager you care and are paying attention to their business. Yeah. All right. I think we're... Uh, yeah, today was short and sweet. Yeah. And we got right to it. It's important stuff. It just, it's, I, I can't stress enough how big of a little thing this is. It seems like a little thing, but it's, it, it really matters. But we know the little things add to big problems if they're not addressed. They do. That's right. So that's what we do here at Mercenary Musician. <laughs> All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next Thursday with a new one for you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Cheers.